Welcome to the Independent Advisors Podcast, where we dive into the world of stocks, tradable markets, and financial planning with Jessup Wealth Management's Chief Investment Officer, Mark McEvely, and CEO, Matt Jessup. You'll hear tips, tricks, and strategies to address your financial well-being, and most importantly, conveyed in a way that everyone can understand. Here are your hosts, Mark and Matt. Welcome to episode 188 of the Independent Advisors Podcast, where Mark McEvely and I, Matt Jessup, bring you everything you need to know from the past week in the world of the financial markets and financial planning. This week, I am doing the podcast solo. Um, Aaron and Taylor are traveling for work, and Mark is busy here in the office. So, viewers and listeners, you get me by myself, and I'll be staring at Jenna in between these segments. So before we begin, as always, I just want to take the first few minutes to recap the performance for the month and the year to date for the major indices that we track. These numbers are as of the market close on February 13th, and this data is from YCharts. We'll start first with the S&P 500 index. For the month of February, it's up 1.5%. Year to date, it's up 7.8%. The Dow Jones Industrial Average up a half a percent so far here for the month and up 3.3% so far for the year. The NASDAQ Composite Index up 2.7% here for the month of February, and up 13.6% year to date. The iShares Russell 2000 ETF that tracks the small cap index is up 0.6% for the month and up 10.5% for the year. And then the Vanguard um, FTSE All World X United States ETF is down Uh, 0.7% for the month and up 7.9% for the year. So what you're going to kind of notice there is uh, more growth-oriented indexes like the NASDAQ is definitely outperforming more of, say, the value-oriented index of the Dow, um, kind of reversing that trend that we saw last year in 2022. Over to bonds, the three-month Treasury rate sits at 4.81%. The two-year Treasury rate sits at 4.52, and the 10-year Treasury rate sits at 3.72. Now, the next segment is we usually discuss big headlines and current events. So after the markets were down last week, after a really good month in January that Mark and I have been discussing, all eyes seem to be turning to the important inflation data that came out this morning just about 30 minutes ago at 8.30 a.m. Heading into this report, there have uh, been expectations of a big jump relative to December's deflationary reading. So here's the numbers. CPI for the month of January, the headline number came in up a half a percent, 0.5%. That equals a year-over-year gain of 6.4. And then if you strip out the volatile food and energy, core CPI was up 0.4% month-over-month and that's now uh, up 5.6% year over year. So the trend that you're seeing right now is that inflation is overall continuing to come in year over year, and obviously the market is expecting uh, for that to continue. And the way the market is translating this, in my opinion, is as inflation continues to come down, uh, the Fed doesn't have to continue to raise rates as much to tame inflation. Uh, On the back of this news, again, it's only been 30 minutes. The market is flat uh, on this news. And so, again, I think the market is is welcoming this at this time. Next, uh, Jenna, I'm going to segment over to tweets, articles, and research from the week. So uh, I'll start first. Uh, Now, my blessing this week is I got to pick six things. 
So I, I wasn't down to three or four, I got to pick six. So I got a lot of good data for our viewers and listeners. I'll start first. Uh, one thing that caught my eye was what I would call a rare occurrence last week in the markets. Now the source of this piece of research is from Bespoke Investment Group on February 10th. I'm going to start reading uh, this snippet uh, word for word from this research piece. And then for our viewers on YouTube, Jenna will overlay the chart that I'm gonna be referencing. And for our traditional podcast listeners, we will have uh, this chart in our show notes on all of our social media accounts. So I'll begin. Quote, you don't typically think of elevated volatility during periods when the market is rallying, but that's what we've seen this year. For example, since the five trading day week in its present form started on the NICE or the New York Stock Exchange in late 1952, the week ending February 3rd was the only 23rd time that every trading day of the full trading week, again, five days, involved a gain or a loss of at least 1% each of those days. A quick look at a very long-term chart of the S&P 500 shows that these weeks of more than 1% moves have almost always occurred during or very late in a market downturn. So now Jenna will put up the chart for our YouTube viewers. Again, it's gonna be in our show notes for the traditional podcast listeners. Taking a more detailed look at performance, the table to the right lists each of the full trading weeks since late 1952, when every trading day had a gain or a loss, again, of at least 1%, with no prior occurrences in the last three months. Looking at forward returns, there has been a clear divergence between performance over the following month versus the following three, six, and 12 months. On a median basis, the S&P 500 was down about 4.18% over the next month with positive returns just three out of those 10 times. And that's well below the historical average for all one month periods since 1953. Now, once the market got past the rockiness of the first month, returns shifted overwhelmingly positive with performance well in excess of historical averages. One year later, for example, the S&P 500 was higher nine out of those 10 times with a median gain of just over 22%. So I wanted to highlight this for our viewers and listeners because there's still, I think, a lot of skepticism in this market. And I have a, uh, a research piece at the very end. It's from a technical strategist that kind of talks about this a little bit deeper. But um, as you can kind of sense, looking out a couple of years, I'm still in the more optimistic bullish camp uh, of where the market stands. And for our regular listeners, you know, there's gonna be a difference this year between what I would call Main Street America and the stock market. And in my opinion, as the stock market leaded the economy down last year, it's very possible you could see the stock market lead out um, the economy, meaning you can see the stock market start to perform better ahead of what we see in Main Street America. The next piece I have is an update on market sentiment. Now, for our viewers that have been a part of the podcast uh, for quite some time, they know that from time to time, I will quote market sentiment indicators, and they tend to be what I call a contrarian indicator. So to be very blunt, when a lot of people are excessively bearish or negative on the market, the forward-looking returns tend to be positive. 
and vice versa. So this is also from uh, some raw research from Bespoke Investment Group on February 10th. I'm going to quote their research and then at a certain point I will have Jenna put up the chart for our YouTube viewers and again, it'll be on our social media for our traditional podcast listeners. Quote, the pace of data was so quiet this week that Thursday's report on sentiment from the American Association of Individual Investors, or AAII, was cited by many reputable news organizations as one of the reasons behind the market weakness. Sentiment surveys are an important part of the investment process, but it's extremely rare for one of these weekly surveys to actually move the markets. In the media, every market move has to have a reason behind it. So in a week with little concrete catalyst, the headline writers really had to dig down to find a reason. It's not as if this week's AAII survey was extreme in either direction. Bullish sentiment increased to 37.5%, which is the highest level in more than a year, but it was still well below the historical average. What is notable about this week's report was that for the first week, we saw a reading of 44. And bullish sentiment exceeded bearish sentiment, ending what was the longest streak of negative readings in the history of the survey. And I want to repeat that sentence, make sure I said it correctly. What was notable about this week's report was that for the first week in 44 weeks, I apologize for that correction, bullish sentiment exceeded bearish sentiment, ending what was the longest streak of negative readings in the history of the survey. So next, Jenna will put up this chart for our traditional uh, YouTube viewers. Um, and again, uh, for our podcast listeners, you can get this on our show notes. Um, there are not many examples you're going to see of where bearish sentiment remained this pessimistic for so long. But looking to the end of past streaks of the negative bearable spreads lasting at least 10 weeks, forward performance has generally been positive once they've ended. And again, it ended about a week ago. As shown in the table below, the next week has seen mixed performance, but returns farther out have generally improved. In the two prior streaks that lasted longer than 20 weeks, performance over the next week was negative both times. But again, you look out one year later, the S&P 500 was up 30% both times. While investor sentiment is typically considered a contrarian indicator, again, I'm still quoting Bespoke, signals have been less contrarian in periods when sentiment swings back to optimism after extended periods of pessimism. So let me put this into plain English. We went through a period of 44 consecutive weeks where bearish surveys came back higher than people were bullish. And the most recent period is we went through a 34 week period um, uh, leading up to uh, 2020. It, it says actually October 22nd of 2020. And again, the forward looking returns three, six and, month, and one year later were very positive. And I'm just highlighting this because, again, and you've, our regular listeners have heard me say this multiple times, we've gone through a period where pessimism has just been so extreme uh, over the past year that when these things start to change, money coming back into the market, in my opinion, is not going to be a one-week, one-month, or one-quarter phenomenon. 
Rather, this could have legs for multiple quarters or even multiple years. And when I look at this anecdotal data, and you're going to see all the data sets if you look at this, it tends to be very positive, especially looking out six months and 12 months later. So again, a, one of those raw pieces of data that tells me, looking at history, things look brighter on the horizon. Okay. The, uh, oh, one last thing I want to say about this. Uh, you can go and you can Google the American Association of Individual Investors, AAII, and you can get all of their historical data. They have it public on their website. So if you're curious and you want to dig into these sentiment surveys and, and, and look at the data, look at the charts associated with it, all that stuff is on their website. So next, I'm going to talk about stock buybacks, and I am really excited about this chart. Jenna, it's only people like me that get excited about these types of charts. And Jenna Rittenhouse is our director of marketing, and she has to put up with these types of geeky things that me and Mark and Aaron and Taylor and Nick talk about. So the first thing is stock buybacks. So this is a tweet from Game of Trades on February 10th. Jenna will put this uh, chart up for our YouTube viewers. Again, I would highly recommend our traditional podcast listeners take a look at this. It's going to be in our show notes and all of our social media sites. You're going to see a chart from Goldman Sachs Global Investment Research. And what it's going to show is U.S. share buyback authorization announcements through February 1st for the beginning of every year going back to 2005. Now, why am I highlighting this? If you look at this chart in the first part of this year, which is only a month, corporations in the U.S. have authorized in excess of $120 billion of new share buyback authorizations. When you look at history, 2021 saw a little bit over $100 billion, and besides that, nothing has come close since 2005. The closest year on this chart would be 2016, and it was a little bit over $60 billion. Now, again, why am I highlighting this? Why is this noteworthy? If corporations are going to be going out there and buying back their own stock, that's going to provide a tailwind of demand for those company shares. So when, when, when people, let's say, quote unquote, are getting back into this market, let's say that I'm right. And the next couple of years, things begin to improve for uh, the stock market compared to 2022. Well, as money comes off the sidelines, guess what? you're going to be competing for those shares along with corporations buying back their own stock. And so I want to throw that out there that as you have increased demand, again, at the end of the day, these share prices are determined by supply and demand. You're now going to have a bigger demand coming from corporations buying back their own stock. So again, you know, I've said this before on the podcast, overall corporate profitability has remained strong the last couple of years, despite the way a lot of shares have been trading. And if corporations are confident in their company's future, they're going to be more apt or willing to use their free cash on the balance sheet, put it to work. And one way you can return that to shareholders is by buying back your own stock. So I find this to be uh, in my bullish indicator camp. So keep an eye on any more stock buyback authorizations as the year moves on. My next piece, item number four is um, the market is watching inflation closely. 
At the top of the podcast, I gave news on the consumer price index. That data comes out on a monthly basis. What we've seen is a trend over the past eh, several months, let's call it roughly four to five months, where inflation has really come in compared to what people were expecting in the fall. There's a tweet here I'm going to reference from Game of Trades on February 10th. And what it does is it shows a chart where it overlays the S&P 500 index with United States inflation rate year over year. And what you're going to notice is when it overlays these two charts, the market began to bottom improve as inflation peaked and started to come down. So I'm going to read what... Um, Game of uh, Trades had on their tweet, and then I'll give you uh, my kind of comments about it further. Their quote was, inflation has been dropping like a stone, and the market has been propelled higher through the disinflation narrative. Next week is the release of January CPI. Close eyes on the market reaction. So I think with all this being said, I think here's, in my opinion, what's getting priced into this market. I think the market is pricing in the fact that the Fed is closer to an end game on these interest rate hikes. And as I said in the podcast a couple of weeks ago, I think after they pause, which could very well be before, say, the end of the second quarter of this year, the um, scuttle or debate in the market the second half of this year going into 2024 will be when and if do they start to lower interest rates again? And so I think that as the debate has been, when are they going to stop and when are they going to pause? I think the debate in the second half of the year going into 24 will be, when do they start to lower again? And so a lot of that's going to be dependent upon this inflation data. But when you look at this overlay, if inflation data continues to come in, which I'm in the camp that I think it will over the next three to six months, that could provide some more stability for the stock market. Something to keep an eye on. My next piece of research is from a tweet from Seth Golden on February 10th. Seth had a really interesting post. It was a post about employment, but employment in a specific niche of the market. So the tweet was regarding truck transportation employment. And here's what he said. The component of leading economic index has always peaked ahead of a recession. When you look at the data, no signs of a recession here as trucking employment continues to rise to record levels. And this is the most important thing he says next. Truckers move goods, not services. So when you look at this chart that he, he showed, and Jenna will put this up for our YouTube viewers, again, it'll be in our show notes. You're going to see this chart from the Bureau of Labor Statistics. It goes back to 1990. And what it does is it shows payroll employment for truck transportation in the millions. And again, you're going to see the latest data for January. Yep, you're not seeing any decrease on that employment front. So I will allow you to interpret this as you will. I'm not going to stand up here and say that a recession is not going to happen. But what I am going to say is that this is really interesting because I don't think we would have trucking companies continuing to hire if supply chains weren't getting better and there wasn't a demand for those services. Something to really kind of muddle. And again, I'm in this camp, even if we have a light recession, just to give you my further uh, kind of viewpoint on this, 
I don't think it's going to be what I would call a jobs later recession, meaning you're going to see massive layoffs in all industries. Will you see some job losses continue? Absolutely. And I don't think, though, it's going to really decay the confidence in consumer spending aspects, which really drive the American economy. My two cents. But when I look at this trucking employment data, it's something that no one's talking about right now. My last piece is um, something I found very interesting, a very interesting viewpoint. And this is an interview from a week ago that I saw on CNBC with a gentleman by the name of Mark Newton. He is Fundstrat Global Advisors Head of Technical Strategy. To specify, when you hear the term technical strategy, that means an individual who really watches the charts. This is not an individual who would be making, say, uh, predictions on the market that were based upon, say, fundamentals. Fundamentals is when you would look at a company's earnings, its balance sheet. This is more how price movement has been in different areas of the market. I went ahead and I, I uh, transposed this interview with quotes that I found very interesting. So what I'd like to do is read through these and then I'll add anything that I think is pertinent after that. These are all quotes until I stop. First, momentum and market breadth have improved substantially in the last couple of months. Secondly, we are in a very bullish period from a seasonality standpoint. Pre-election year seasonality is better in the first quarter here than any other of the 16 quarters that make up the presidential election cycle. Third, we continue to see excessively bearish sentiment across the board. Now near, term sentiment has gotten a little more optimistic. However, when you look at re recent reports on investor risk, people are very much on the sidelines as we see very high levels of investor cash. That makes me think we are very much in a bull market that can continue. I think the lows were put into the market last October. I don't think it will go necessarily straight up all year, but I think we do see signs of technology now coming back with a vengeance the last couple of weeks. Technology is the third best performing sector within the S&P year to date, and it is important since it makes up 27% of the S&P 500 index. Now, I'm gonna end quote for a second. When the moderator um, asked why he thinks technology's year-to-date performance has any staying power, his response, his response was, quote, almost everybody is saying the exactly same thing. The market's not getting the Fed's message, which is really interesting to me. They all say the market should be lower. They're trying to figure out how this market could rally. If anything, it has gone from extreme pessimism to now skepticism. We haven't even reached bullishness yet. We haven't even reached giddy type feelings about the market. So look at it. It's a market where the market's respecting inflation selling off sharply, as well as a pivot potentially with the Fed and the US far more dramatically than what we could see in Europe. The, mar the market certainly respects that, and cyclically we are certainly still doing well, end quote. So as you take this kind of consolidated uh, interview that um, Scott Wapner did on CNBC a week ago, 
let's just kind of dissect some of those points. You talked about momentum and market breadth. What does that mean? Market breadth is where you have broad participation in the market. When you have very limited market breadth, that would be where some of the more mega cap names are kind of holding up the index if things are bad. Well, to start the year, we've seen pretty broad market breadth. We've seen a lot of different areas of the market do good. That tends to be a bullish indicator on the market. Next, he pointed out seasonality. For our regular listeners, Mark and I have talked about this extensively, especially Mark has. When you look at the 16 quarters that make up the presidential election cycle, the current quarter we're in seasonally, going back to 1928 for the S&P, is the best. Third, he talked about sentiment. I talked about that a couple uh, minutes ago on the podcast, so I won't hit that uh, too much harder. And then he talked about the market hitting lows, and he talked about the market hitting a low last October. This individual's viewpoint is that the low was in for last October, and he thinks that things are gonna get better. You know, I think that's generally uh, a viewpoint that uh, Mark and I have, and for our regular listeners, you might get that sense. Doesn't mean that's ingrained in stone, doesn't mean that it's gonna happen that way. But when I look at a lot of the anecdotal data, I'm looking at everything from sentiment to just a lot of the indicators that, that Mark and I watch, not every week, every month, or even every quarter this year is gonna be positive. But I do think after the uh, tremendous damage that you saw in the markets in 2022, I think it does point to better times in the market over the next couple of years. Again, is that guaranteed? Absolutely not. This is just our viewpoint that I wanted to share with our regular listeners and viewers. So that is uh, what I wanted to communicate. Those are my six pieces of, of research that I thought were pertinent. Um, a lot of this stuff flies under the radar of, of, of Main Street financial news headlines that you see. But I do think they're important because I do think that the market, um, as the year goes on, you know, these data points are going to be affecting it. So uh, I'm going to skip the financial planning topic of the week. We'll try to bring that back in next week's podcast. So um, if you have anything that you would like to add or you have a question or topic uh, that you would like us to address, uh, email us at inquiries at jessupwealthmanagement.com and we will address those. Uh, we will only say your first name and we'll leave your last name out of it. Uh, but I will sign off now. Thank you for listening to episode number 188 of the Independent Advisors podcast. I hope all of you have a wonderful rest of your week and we will return next week. Thank you for listening to the Independent Advisors podcast. If you're interested in hearing more, hit the subscribe button so you can be notified every time a new episode gets released. Feel free to share with friends, family, and follow us on Twitter at Jessup Wealth, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Mark and Matt will continue to share beneficial information on these social media sites. Also, check out the podcast tab on their website. That's www.jessupwealthmanagement.com. There you'll find links to every episode of the Independent Advisors. Have questions or topics you want to discuss on the show? Message us on Twitter, LinkedIn, or send an email with the words questions and topics in the subject line to inquiries at jessupwealthmanagement.com. We'll talk about it right here on the podcast. Certain sections of this commentary may contain forward-looking statements based on reasonable expectations, estimates, projections, and assumptions. Forward-looking statements are not guarantees of future performance and involve certain risks and uncertainties, which are difficult to predict. All indices are unmanaged and are not available for direct investment by the public. 
past performance is not indicative of future results. This podcast is provided for general informational purposes only and does not constitute either tax, legal, or financial advice. Although we do go to great lengths to make sure our information is accurate and useful, we recommend you consult a tax preparer, professional tax advisor, financial advisor, or lawyer regarding your specific circumstances. Investing involves risk, including the loss of principal. No strategy can guarantee any objective or goal will be achieved.